0: This is the Endurance Church podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Um, you know, I always want to be the good guy. Uh, seriously. it's not even like remotely joking. I, I grew up in this uh, world only looking at good guys, liking good guys. Um, and if it was a good guy, that's who I wanted to be like. I didn't realize as I got older, there was a particular scripture that I wrestled with. And they said, when people persecute you for me. And I always was troubled by Jesus' words because I thought, like, why would someone persecute a Christian? Why would someone want to hurt Christians? Why would, why would somebody dislike those people who try to walk in love. And it was a challenging thought I had for years until I realized that this world is opposed to God, completely opposed to God. And God challenges us not to be a friend of the world, to separate ourselves from the world, its values, its, its systems. And because we have this wrestling match, we go through daily regarding putting our faith and confidence in God, there's a process called sanctification that takes place. We're being pulled away from the world and its influences. And the more we're pulled away, the more we look like Jesus. And as we become more different, we begin to stand out. We don't look like the world. We don't act like the world. And we begin to draw attention to ourselves. Man, peer pressure when I was growing, up was tough. I remember I would always be really good chameleon. I'd, I'd fit in in any particular group or section or area I went to. If I was in the basketball team, I knew I'd act like basketball players. If I was in a school setting, I knew I'd act like the, the nerds. It seemed like they were cool. If I was out on the bar or the club, I knew how to act cool there. It just seemed like I knew how to adapt like a chameleon. But the problem is, once I got saved, I no longer had that capacity to adapt because I had this little voice in the back of my head, or maybe it was in my heart that would say, "Not like that." And the more I began to listen to that voice, the more I began to stand out. And there was a point where actually I was on the fence and needed to make a choice. I needed to make a choice: was I going to give it all to the Lord? Regardless of what context I was in, am I going to be faithful to God, regardless of the peer pressures I would face, or am I going to sit on the fence? And I remember when I used to sit on the fence, how I got picked off so easily. <laughs> Every time I was on the fence, I'd, I'd get plopped off. People would start poking holes in my, in my, you know, my game, my M.O. Then I remember, I think I've told y'all this once I was out of the Vikings, I remember I was downtown Hennepin, street preaching. <laughs> this, was, this was huge. I'm out there preaching Jesus Christ on the streets of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'm telling people not just to repent and get saved, but God has a plan for your life. That he loves you. Put your trust, faith, and confidence in God. And I remember turning around, my back is to what was the name of that Louisiana restaurant that was downtown? I never can remember it. But I was preaching, all of a sudden I heard, bam, bam, bam. I turned around, and it was the entire Vikings offensive team looking out of the window of this restaurant at me. And I remember seeing Chris Walsh's mouth. It's best. He's crazy. And I remember, I'm like, well, I'm out there now. There's no going back. And from that point forward, I have not even wanted to go back. I used to be afraid of telling my dad how I loved Jesus, and I wanted to stand for him, and I didn't want to compromise. My dad saw me grow up. He saw my many compromises. But once I took that step, once I put myself out there, there was no more bridge for me to go back. I had given it all to Jesus. My football career, my, my future, my faith, my family. I had given everything I had to Jesus at that moment. And then a burden was released. I felt finally free. <laughs> that the world's burdens were so hard. It's so hard trying to be Superman in every context. To be the best, the best, the brightest, the boldest. The most beautiful, the most attractive. It's hard falling under those different social pressures to live up to a standard I had no ability to live up to. I'd watch TV and I'd get depressed because I didn't have the Ferrari. I didn't have the Range Rover. I didn't have the nice house anymore and the nice car. I just had Jesus. And I found his burden was remarkably light. And it was easy to carry. And once I had given everything I had to Jesus, I realized hey, you know what? I can do this. Man, I was, I was made for this. Now I was the good guy. And I didn't worry anymore about being persecuted. Are you the good guy? If you are the good guy, you'll face many challenges in your life. It's okay. God has a plan, and through those challenges, God will use for his glory. It's apropos today that we did the communion because we have to remember Christ's death. And if you remember the death of Christ, I think you'll understand the message today. I believe everything we do here on this earth as believers in Christ is to convey somehow some aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe our marriage is a way of communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe our sacrifices is a way of communicating the gospel. But sometimes when the world or the church has communicated the gospel, they leave out the first part of the gospel, which is that Jesus came and that he died. Jesus was on the cross. Most people today for the past 60 years have talked about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, and that's amazing Praise God for the revelation of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because he lives, we live. And now that Jesus Christ is in us, man, we're more than conquerors. We can overcome every scenario, every situation by faith in Jesus Christ. But we forgot the first part. The first part that many of the old saints, oh, the early church remembered. That Jesus Christ suffered. And because he suffered, sometimes we too have to suffer. I'm not a sign of you suffering. Your suffering may never be like mine. Your suffering may be that Netflix goes out as you were trying to watch that TV show. Your suffering may be that you put your Bible on your desk at work and people give you this scary eyebrow. Did it work? I'm working on it. Okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They give you this scary eyebrow. You're one of those. Your suffering may be, man. I can't compromise, I need to take a stand and tell my boss, and if I take this stand, I may get fired. I don't know what your level of suffering may be, but the early church knew that suffering was a part of the gospel. Why? Because before there's a resurrection, there has to be a death. And when we live our lives faithfully, we experience the death of Christ in our life so that the resurrection can be made known to everyone. I got a quote by John Stott, one of my favorite scholars. If you are a reader, I know some of you are very much avid readers. I pick up any of his books. They're amazing. He's a great scholar. And he said, how did, the, how did Jesus expect his disciples to react under persecution? He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, he said, rejoice and be glad. You're like, what? But he goes on to clarify it. He says, we are not to retaliate like the unbeliever, nor sulk like a child, nor lick our wounds and self-pity like a dog, nor just grin and bear it like a stoic. Still less, pretend we enjoy it like uh, help me out there. Yeah, I know. Masochist. (laughs) No, we're not sadistic. We don't take pleasure in pain. What then? It says we are to rejoice as a Christian should and even leap for joy. Because when you suffer for Christ, Jesus says great is your reward. I can honestly say I don't know a large amount of people here who have suffered for Jesus. Now, I know people who have suffered because they have a bad attitude. I know here Christians who have suffered because they've been me. I know people in the world who've been mean and suffered. I know people who have suffered because, you know what, people were jealous of them. But I've found very few people who are willing to say, I'm going to stand for Jesus regardless of what this costs me. And, and, and be willing to be persecuted so that Jesus could get glory. And when we do that, when we take that stand, we are to rejoice, to jump, to leap for joy. Now, the word here, rejoice, is not Exactly this expression, leaping for joy, these are two different concepts. Leaping for joy is the result of you rejoicing. Because when you're rejoicing in the Greek, the word rejoice means to remember God's sacrifice. To remember God's grace. So when you're feeling down or disappointed, when you're struggling, when things aren't working out the way you want and you're doing everything the way God told you to do it, And you just feel low. Think about his sacrifice. And remember, he got out of the tomb. And he will resurrect you, in a sense, in your dead situation, and bring life for his namesake. Figuratively. Literally, you will be resurrected one day from death, never to die again. You will be then the ultimate overcomer. Let's jump into the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. You know, me and a group of guys go through this Bible study. We've been in Corinthians 2 uh, Corinthians for a couple of weeks now. Also at our church, we've been going through 1 Corinthians for a while. Um, I remember Chris said, man, 1 Cor- Corinthians is one of the best books for the church. We need to teach this to every single person who enters this church. I agree. I believe the book of Corinthians is so appropriate for our day because I believe Paul was addressing the very issues we are facing today. And he didn't give up on them. He thought better of them. He thought they could overcome, and they did. It starts in verse 8. It says, we are hard pressed on every side. So you have to understand what Paul is going through. If you go back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians, Apollos was there preaching a gospel that made them feel good, preaching a gospel that appealed to their flesh, preaching them, telling them, man, you trust God, you'll make it up the social ladder. You trust God, you'll get these good things. And Apollos was using these highfalutin rhetoric In order to draw people in. He was using almost forensics in order to show people, you know what? Either through rhetoric or forensics, I could bring people to God. His church was growing, but Paul said, no, 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 no. Apollos got sent home. He said, get out of there. Come home. He said, I'm preaching to you the simplicity of the gospel. It's so simple. So that your faith won't be in a great speaker. A great communicator. Or just some promises. But your faith will be in God and his power. And God alone will get glory. Now Paul, he can't lie about a scenario. He's suffering. He's laughed at. He's not a good speaker. He may be country. We know he's not country. He's a city guy. He's one of the most educated people on the earth. He studied under Gamaliel. He studied under the Greek schools. This guy is the smartest human being most people consider to have ever lived. Yet he's saying, I'm going to be simple here. Jesus Christ came, fulfilling the scriptures. Jesus Christ died. He was resurrected, and now he lives forevermore. Put all your hope and faith in that fact. People are looking at these other teachers that are prospering, and they're like, wait a minute. I want my life to be like those people. I want to be part of Apollos' team or even Peter's team. Maybe Jesus, but no one likes Paul because Paul's life is hard. Paul's like, look at my faithfulness. I'm not giving up. You see the struggle I'm going through, but look at my faithfulness to God despite my shortcomings. Despite the fact that I'm not the best speaker or teacher. I don't have the most people following me. Look at my faithfulness to God. Mirror that. And he goes on to say, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth. Look at my life. We are hard pressed on every side. This word hard pressed is synonymous for the word that was used whenever Jesus was walking through the crowd. And the Bible says he was being pushed on every side. And there was a woman who grabbed the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples was like, are you serious? Like, everybody's touching you. You're asking who touched you? Come on, Jesus. He said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me, and I felt virtue come out of me. That's what he's saying here. He said, we are pressed on every side, doing God's will. But then he says, yet not crushed. Now, actually, this word here is more vigorous, more violent than this word in the Greek. What he's saying is we're hard-pressed, but here he's saying, but we're not stopped. We're not limited. We're doing God's work, and man, it's hard. We're being pushed and pulled. Oh, we're being knocked down. But he says we're not crushed. The word actually is we're not hindered. We're still doing God's will. We're not stopped. He goes on to say, we are perplexed, Uh uh-oh, but not in despair. This word here is the more intense word. He's saying, we are confused. Who here has followed the Lord? You've done everything right. For two whole months, you don't even remember any sin of omission or commission. And things are not going the way you want. And you're like, what is going on, God? Perplexed. I'm perplexed today. I'm like, what's happening, God? How could things be going this way? He said, that's how we are. But then he goes on to say, but not in despair. What is he saying? We know there's still a solution. I might not know all the answers, but I know God is going to get me through this. Man, I I was praying and fasting and got my word from the Lord. And I was like, yes, God, okay, victory is going to happen. And then things went the opposite direction. And I'm like, oh, I don't understand. How could it be, God? But in that scenario, when you're confused you need to say, and trust God, I don't understand what's going on, but I know there's a solution out of this. And that's what Paul's saying here. He says, "We are persecuted. That's easy, but not forsaken." He's saying, "You know what? Persecution is happening to us. We We know we can't get away from it, but God's still with us. To me, one of the best feelings in my walk with God is this fact. Sometimes negative things happen or troubling times happen or a storm comes. And I'm like, oh, I feel so bad today. The bed feels so good this morning. Let me just sleep a little bit longer until I feel better. Or I get out the bed and I'm like, oh, no, I have a bad attitude. (laughs) Maybe if I take a shower a little longer, my attitude will get better. (laughs) Man, I feel bad. Maybe I'll watch Netflix just a little longer. One more show. Or man, I just want to go to the mall. I just want to go to the mall. I'm not going to buy anything. Just go to the mall. Walk around. I feel better. But not forsaken. See, the fact is God shows up in those scenarios to let you know he's still there. Stay faithful in the midst of the storm. And God will give you clues, literary terms, context clues. He'll let you know. He'll give you signs to let you know you're on the right path. And once you see God show up, rejoice because it's letting you know you're okay. You're going the right direction. Keep going forward. It may not be the answer you want, but the fact that he's still with you should give you courage to let you know you're on the right path. Keep going forward. And maybe in time you'll get bold and say, you know what? I know it looks bad, but God's going to make a way. And people look at you like, what's wrong with you? God's going to make a way. Watch. Because he will. And the last part, it says, struck down but not destroyed. And what he's saying there is clear. He's like, "Man, we're getting hit, but we're not getting killed." I got hit by Mike Tyson, not for real, but in this analogy. I got hit by I can't even say um, can't say Mayweather because it would knock me out. Um, John Jones, I don't know who is it. <laughs> Who's what's the McG- Conor McGregor? Yeah, I got hit by Conor McGregor. But he didn't knock me out. I still got up. And that's what he's saying. Life will knock you down. Acknowledge it. It's okay. That doesn't mean you're out of God's will. Because you can still get up. Now this was one of the hardest interpretations I've seen in the scriptures. Because the word in our context doesn't make sense. But in verse 10 it says, always carrying about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now here I'm trying to reference this back to the communion. During communion, we remember Jesus Christ's broken body, do we not? And that's basically what he's saying here. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. Let me give you a hint here, and I love this part. Our bodies are getting older. Our bodies are falling apart. It's okay. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's saying is when you go through your storms, has anybody ever been through a storm? Thank you. And people look at your situation. They are looking at a type of Jesus Christ dead body. Remember Jesus when he was pulled off the cross. He was literally dead. And people saw his dead body. They knew he was gone. He was stabbed in the side. They saw him not breathing. He was put in the grave for three days. Now, that had to be confirmed. Why? So they believed the miracle of when he was resurrected. Is everybody with me? Now, you are a part of the gospel story. You are currently going through a storm. You've been praying for something and it hasn't worked out the way you want it. You are going through something right now. You're like, Why, God, am I going through this? You're perplexed. You're stricken. You're cast off. Because what's happening is you're showing to everybody Jesus' death. And that death that you're conveying is a setup. For the resurrection, God uses those situations so that when things go well, because you've been faithful, people are acknowledging the fact that Jesus was dead and was resurrected. I went around Robert Hood's barn, but I hope you're following where I'm going. Let me give you an analogy. I'll be honest as I can be. I remember. I was married once, and once because I had a wife before this wife when I was playing for the NFL. And uh, I got an NFL wife, and I'll tell you, if in case any of your kids go to the NFL, tell them to marry somebody before they go to the NFL or after. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I think there's a couple of people here, kids who go to play professional sports. Marry somebody before you get to the NFL, but do not marry somebody in the NFL when you're there, or baseball or football or basketball. The divorce rates are like, I think at this present time, 90% the divorce rate. You know, when I was playing football, I said, oh, I'm the man, right? Everybody want to be with me. The Lord humbled me. Seriously. The point I'm trying to make is this. Storms happen. And after I left NFL, I wasn't as attractive as I was before. I'll throw it out there like that. And I thought, as my ex-wife was leaving the marriage, I'm like, I'm dead I've never experienced such pain. My kids who will be there up here in two weeks will be up here. You want to see how awesome they are. If they start fighting, it's okay. We're trying to work with them in those areas. <laughs> you want to see my kids coming up here. They're going to have a great time. I had to leave my kids to come up here to Minnesota because this is what God told me to do. I remember laying on the floor in my house, weeping. I was dead. I'm displaying to everybody who knows me the death of Jesus Christ. People are looking at me like, oh, man, that's horrible, Baz. I feel so sorry for you. Fast forward five years later, now people are looking at pictures of me like, oh, Baz, I'm so happy for you. Look at your kids. They're so beautiful. You're doing ministry. Man, God is using you. See, what I have just... Displayed because of my faithfulness to God through the storm, the death, and now the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now people will have this little thought that, man, if I stay faithful to God, will He resurrect me too from my dead situation? Yes, that's the point. Troubles come, but they don't last. And when they do come, it's a setup for God to get glory. Let Jesus Christ be resurrected your life. 11 says, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies. Got a couple of points that we're done for the day. Point one, when we die for Christ, then his life is revealed in us. When we die for Christ, his life is revealed in us. When we stay faithful to Christ during storms for his name's sake, Jesus Christ's life will be displayed in our life. It's a guarantee. This is not necessarily prosperity. What it is is God's glory and you being a vessel. There is a scripture in the Bible, oh my goodness, I got to go there quick and I only got two minutes. There's a scripture in the Bible. Everybody knows that there's a man, his name was Gideon. Remember that guy? And Gideon had, um, and his 300 friends, had these jars of clay. Remember that? And when and, 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 and they were trying to fight against his army, the Philistines, and to scare them, what did he do? They had to smash the pots. And then the light was shown. If we go back to t- two verses, we'll see we are, claw- we are jars of clay. He's trying to say, this is the process. When we are broken, Jesus Christ's light is revealed. The problem is many people won't allow him to break. They won't allow Jesus to break them. And they resist that process. Don't resist it. Stay faithful. Stay loving. Let God use you for his glory. It's just the wrist. It's gone, man. Oh, there you go. I'm not looking at you like it's my fault. <laughs> Is this the second slide? Good. So remain faithful while sacrificing for Christ so that his life can be revealed to the world. Do it so that the church would understand the nature of its calling. Like I said, this is the message that many people haven't heard. Many people hear about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, but misconstrue and misunderstand the whole gospel is the fact that Jesus first died and that he was buried. And we also sometimes will die. But understand, if you do go through that process, you will be resurrected. You just don't start getting crazy in the storm. If you're in the boat with Jesus and he's sleeping, understand it's going to be okay. Don't run wild. Trust that God said you're going to get to the other side. Keep your faith in Jesus. Because in your dying, others will see Jesus Christ's life. remember, this whole thing It's all about Jesus Christ. If you ask me, what is this church? This is my hope. We are a spiritual formation church. Our hope is to grow you into a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then to launch you into your personal calling. Our goal isn't necessarily to make a mega church. Can I flip this? But make mega disciples. Ew. I was trying, girl. I was like, come on. <laughs> I had a dream. And I won't tell you a part of this dream. In this dream, I died as I was running away from police officers. And they shot me in the back right before I got to this football field. <laughs> the football field. And this is before I got to the Vikings. And I fell on my back looking at the middle of the football field while I was going on. I may have told you this eight times, but I'll tell you again. And this poem was plain, but the football field had giant wheat on it. It was golden wheat. The wheat was bigger than the goalpost. It was thicker than the goalpost. I love to say that I saw the wheat for miles and miles. It wasn't miles and miles. It was directly square in the middle of a football field. But the wheat was gigantic. And because of that dream, it has been the driving force of my life that I have no expectation to be the pastor that has a giant church, but I do have an expectation of raising a mighty men and women of God that will change this entire planet. Now, you clap. And that dream's about you. That was you in the dream. God was going to raise you all up. You are the harvest. That's why I'm not playing pro football. Because God sent me here for you. So that you would press in to what God has called you to do and to be. God wants you to change the world we're going to have opportunities to do that here at this church we're going to do outreach events we will we're going to go to Israel we need two more people maybe three we're going to go to Uganda Dominican Republic we're going to go to China we're going to go to Bosnia-Herzegovina and some of you will not be coming back anytime soon not because you're going to die or maybe Israel die. And then you'll live a resurrected <laughs> yeah, at least sermon work together. You may go to Bosnia and not come back because God may call you there and you not come back and you change all of Eastern Europe. That's what this is about. About you finding your calling. There's more that God has for you. He requires a greater level of commitment. I love this country. But we have to rise above our culture and be completely dedicated to Jesus Christ. You all can do things that are unimaginable, greater than I even could hope or dream. It's not me. This dream is yours. But what you have to do is trust Him, fall in love with Him, make Him the center of your life, stay in His presence. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.